Something a little bit different for this week's podcast. I am constantly tweaking, constantly trying to figure out what the best format for this particular podcast is. And I have to admit, I don't think I have really hit the sweet spot yet. But a couple of weeks ago, as those of you who listen regularly know, we added Rachel Mort as a producer to the podcast. And Rachel and I talk about the featured story that we're covering and uh, banter things back and forth a little bit. Now, this week, I thought we would systematize it a little bit more. And I asked Rachel to pick her two top stories that are relevant for this podcast. So relating to baby boomers and online business or social networks and online marketing in that space. And I picked my two favorite stories and we are going to do the first block of this show. We're going to, we're going to share the news of the week. Love to hear your feedback on whether or not you like hearing current events as well as a part of the podcast. Then my feature this week, I'm going to be talking about what just what incredible advantages we have today in starting a business compared to back in the day, back in the day when we first learned about businesses. I'm talking about for most of us, the eighties or maybe the nineties when we first started into business, first got our first major jobs, started to move up the, the, the chain and did our trainings. So we're going to be talking about why, how things are so different if you're starting a business today than they were back in the day. That's all coming up today on gray matters. Steve Dotto here. How the heck you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for baby boomers and Gen X who are interested in online business. We are interested in finding our place in the digital age. In this podcast, you'll learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, and more, all from our perspective. The world's changing. Our prospects are changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore, and many of us face a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need to take our years of experience and put it to work for us, a side hustle or online business of our own. We need to develop mad skills to adapt and evolve in order to thrive in this digital age. I can help. I want to help. And this podcast will help. It wasn't that long ago that I was struggling to transition from my former career in traditional broadcasting into online business. There were lots of bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm here to say it is a fantastic and worthwhile journey. I am glad you found us. I got to eat a little bit of humble pie, but I'm not going to eat that much humble pie. My top story this week is about Clubhouse. No surprising. I seem to be on this Clubhouse rant, but... I think you and everybody else. Yeah, but I... (laughs) But I have to eat a little bit of humble pie because uh, I said that I didn't think it was going to be <clears throat> all that successful. I, you know, I thought that there were, I, I thought that the bloom would be off the rose pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But it's it's rocking. I've, I I, I got to admit, I went in and I listened. I've been going into a few rooms and I'm amazed with the number of people in the mm-hmm. rooms listening and uh, and participating. This just just some huge um, broadcasts going on. At least. What I consider huge, we're talking thousands of, of, of people, not hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands, but thousands of people in a room. And, uh, and they seem to be staying there and engaged. I don't know if people have it on in the background constantly hmm. and they're not actually actively listening, but they're multitasking, but there's I mean, just that a would, lot of that, them. 
that would be me, but I know that may not be everybody. And again, man, people are hungry for mm -hmm. any kind of interaction right now. So well, and there seems to be in this FOMO all over the place. But my top story to this week is about is about I'm concerned about the security mm. of of the of Clubhouse for a couple of reasons. First of all, one of the things that I noticed when I signed up is they very aggressively want you to download your entire list of uh, contacts. Mm. And uh, I don't think, and then they, and they want you to reach out to these people and constantly push clubhouse to these people. And I'm pretty sure that that flies in, you know, some, some privacy settings within GDPR or something. Of course, clubhouse being based in the States might not worry too much about that. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, a couple of reports recently have come out about how clubhouse, I've been very critical of clubhouse, not allowing us to view recorded, have some sort of a recording in, in, in playback. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that I guess for legal purposes, Clubhouse actually records each of these live rooms. I'm and, shocked. Uh, yeah, shocked. yeah, shocked, but they record it. And then once they know they're in the clear, they're deleting it. But where are the servers? Ask me where the servers are. Steve, where are the servers? Steve, where are the servers? Shanghai, in China. <gasps> you stop. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. Oh, well. Okay. Again, I, my shocked face is okay. Hmm. <laughs> so, so that at any rate, uh, and, and I do eat a little bit of humble pie. I talked to a few friends of mine over the weekend and they are finding lots of success in clubhouse. And one of the things that I did say about clubhouse is I thought it was a lot of social media marketers talking to social media marketers and for, for better or for worse, for a period of time, clubhouse is successful. They, people are having success. I'm not sure it's a long time benefit. Mm -hmm. I kind of look at it like, you know what, it, this is going to be crass, but it's kind of like a one night stand. You know what? <laughs> it, it serves the purpose at the time. It might not be something that you're really proud of afterwards, but it serves a purpose and it gets you through the week or what have you. I think that we're going to have about a year of clubhouse. And then I imagine unless they make some dramatic changes, there's going to be some alteration but people are having more success than I would have originally given credit to based on my, 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 just my yeah. lack of trust and my lack of excitement over all of the things, which if you want to hear my rant, I'm not going to go into it again, but listen to last week's episode. I talked a lot about, I talked a lot about clubhouse and why I'm not such a yeah. big fan. So, so the that, fling is paying off for some people. It's a, it's a good it is, fling. It is, it is, it is paying off and, uh, but we'll, we'll keep our eye on it and, you know, in, in, Maybe there'll be more humble pie being eaten, or maybe I will get to gloat. We will see. You know, I, I still rely on you. And by the way, I will be coming to you whenever it does roll out to Android. I'll need my invitation. So um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, just I'm pretty gonna, sure I'm pretty sure by that point there it's gonna be just wide open to the public. Like, just come on in, you all you other people. It's like thanks. Yeah, and there's but, and there's all the strange login things. Like when you log in, once if you log out, when you go to log back in, you can't just log in. You have to log in and then they send you an access code. They text you an access code. What's that all about? That is kind of, I've seen a couple other apps do that. Like some of my streaming coders. StreamYard yes. used to do that and it drove me crazy. It's yeah. A, it's a thing I hated. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I mean, I guess it's a facade of security to make sure you're, you know, you're the one that lo that's logging in. I mean, it's, meanwhile, it's, in it's, Shanghai. It's a form of forced two-factor authentication, I guess. Yeah. Mm, so I don't know. I feel like everyone, I feel like a lot of apps are doubling down and, and really take hopefully taking security a little more interesting. It's harder for me to log in a lot of places, I'm going to say, which mm, I guess is a good thing. You don't want to make it, you don't want to make it too hard to get to your account. And it's not That's like, true. yeah. Okay. So what's your top story? 
So uh, I ran into something. So I am a prolific user of LinkedIn. I believe in it. I I don't really get people who think it's you know antiquated and or irrelevant. I find the complete opposite. Um, particularly, I used to run my own social media consulting business. And I absolutely use LinkedIn because a lot of my target audience, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to this, are fellow business people mm -hmm. and business owners and businesses. Um, so interesting news that's coming out. LinkedIn uh, is developing a new freelance marketplace platform. They are calling it unoriginally the marketplace uh, that might sound familiar to for, from across other apps mm -hmm. but essentially it's going to let users book other users who are freelancers and they're even going to include a digital wallet so you can pay those freelancers within the marketplace of linkedin so now this is cool. specifically focused on freelancers or yes. the gig economy which we've talked about, and that's why I found it interesting. And mm. I mean, the article I saw, you know, they're going right up against a couple familiar names, Upwork and Fiverr. They mm -hmm. want to be the new thing. And honestly, I think they're going to give it a good run because not only do you can you do the freelancing gigs, you know, and find your work between uh, yourself and other users, but then you've got the rest of LinkedIn. It's not just dedicated to that. I don't know. I think it might might be a, a cool thing for people to dabble into once it rolls out to them. Well, the job, the online job marketplace is, of course, booming. And yeah. uh, and the gig economy, the, you know, getting the little, little gigs with Fiverr, a lot of people have played with it. It's fun. Not too many people take too seriously what happens on Fiverr. Having said that, um, Upwork has uh, has grown into a, a very significant player in the mm -hmm. space, and a lot of people find, you know, subcontractors that they use for major projects and, yeah. and ongoing work at at it. Now, have you ever hired anybody from it? Uh, I haven't, but I have. So LinkedIn uh, also has an existing tool called ProFinder. Uh, for finding pros. Mm -hmm. um, and I've actually used that before where I was able to give um, proposals to people who are looking for my services and they could select me amongst other people or not. So was that, again, that was of, for full-time work or gig work? Uh, that was for gig work. Oh, really? I do. Yeah. And I do use LinkedIn primarily for networking and live mm -hmm. streaming and stuff like that and thought leadership. Right. But it's, you know, if you're looking for gig work out there, it sounds like they're trying to make it easier. Well, it'll be interesting to see if it scales up and if the quality of the relationships is, is kind of more serious and kind of higher end as we look at LinkedIn. Cause I think of LinkedIn as a little bit more premium service. My immediate reaction is to trust it more. I feel, you know, like I, I, I'd, I'd have a look if I was looking for somebody. I, if you don't work out, Rachel, I might have a look. <laughs> well, you know what? You'd be able to go to LinkedIn Marketplace or even ProFinder. And yeah. all that's, uh, at least ProFinder is available for free subscription. But so. they want to manage the transactions. Yes, mm -hmm. which uh, they're probably much like some other, you know, exchanges you make out there uh, would probably take a bit of a slice off the top. Mm -hmm. So, to and they that. they probably have to sign a contract that you that you only pay through that and that you don't take the business outside. Ooh. But that's a, that's you know that's how they make their money. If they're not going to run ads, they're not going to charge you. They got to find a way to make their money and making a little in the margins. That's always a good way to do things. That's a good story. Right. I like that. I'm going to keep my eye on it, and I think it, I think that's going to be a I think it's a good move for LinkedIn. I frankly think that's a really good move for LinkedIn, and I they don't agree. always make great moves, in my opinion. But they, uh, no, they they definitely have some catching up to do. Yes. Yes, indeed. Now, my other big story of the week is uh, about kind of what's happening in the world of podcasting a little bit more. Just following mm -hmm. on on our theme as we've been talking a lot about podcasting is the how serious uh, how serious some of the major kind of 
major players are about podcasting. We've seen some really good podcasts. New York Times, for example, uh, has a great uh, has, a, has has been doing podcasts. And you know what's interesting? Actually, there's a there's a I just heard that they gave their um, uh, where they made money and where they lost money, and overall revenues from New York Times are down, but their podcast revenue from advertising mm-hmm. and podcasts is way up. It's very serious, uh, like a, like a major part of their total profit is coming from their podcast division, which I find fascinating. But not just New York Times, we see you know PBS, we see uh, we see uh, NPR, we see lots of different organizations investing heavily in podcasting. But typically speaking, we've seen that those investments coming from news or social type uh, broadcasts. Now we're starting to see Hollywood get in. And we're starting to see some different shows come down the pipe from companies that are uh, that that do their their stock and trade are sitcoms, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And there's a brand new podcast that's just been released called Unwanted, which is a buddy action comedy, which includes star. It's a kind of it's a Seth Rogen esque type uh, humor, so it's puerile. It'll certainly appeal to <laughs> people like me. Yes, but I mean, it's uh, it's got like people from New Girl and Game Night in it, uh, who are which are big TV series, and uh, they so it's all a podcast, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It's going to be a serial, a serial comedy podcast from a major player. I like it, uh, and I've been digging podcasts. For, yeah, I think major player on Apple Pod. <laughs> that was Siri. That was <laughs> Siri. Was funny. Thanks, Siri. Siri's yeah, going to be the third, the third bed. seat yeah. in the third seat on this. Um, no, I. So I'm sure I. So there are people listening who can relate. I think I got back into podcasting because podcasts have been around since iPods came out, uh, way back when, which doesn't feel that you know it's mm-hmm. not that long ago, but it feels like that. But uh, Serial, the podcast that was about a true crime, uh, came out, and I remember that's what kind of swept me in. I totally binged it, but then. I and I really found that I liked it. And it to me, we've talked a little bit about this where it gets back into olden days. And yes, I'm I'm old. <laughs> so I can I don't remember when this was around, but it I I think of it nostalgically that it must have been really cool because now I'm experiencing radio stories. Mm-hmm. Like I'm able to hear dramatized radio via podcast today. And I dig it. I really like how you're not beholden to what is seen on a screen. You have voice acting going on and you can use your imagination to let that story run wild. So I'm really excited actually to see this unfold. I think it's going to be very successful. Yeah. And, and of course we can do things now that they couldn't back do back in the radio days. When the radio days, uh, you know, when they would do the live dramas, the Foley artists, the people who would create yes. the sound effects in the background and stuff were just magical. And, uh, of course we can add all those effects with just a, with a deck that we've attached and we can plug in audio sounds and stuff like that. So you can make it, so you can certainly dress it out and add a lot of production value to it. Mm-hmm. But of course it all comes down to the writing at the end of the day. And That's we've right. got some pretty good writing or the quality of, or the quality of the individuals when we're starting to see interview shows. Speaking of which, uh, higher ground, which is, uh, the Obama's, uh, podcasting company has released a brand new podcast which is a uh, which is uh, a combination of uh, the boss Bruce Springsteen uh, doing a buddy podcast with, with Barack, Barack Obama. Obama? Yeah. Shush! Oh my gosh, that I totally want to listen to it because 
I'm just trying to imagine them. What are they going to talk about? I want well, to go they listen. T- they talk about their experiences with racism, and it, it's a serious podcast. It's going to it, so cool. they're taking on some very serious topics. Now, here's the thing that blew me away: is is I don't know why, but I thought they were of an of an of a vintage. I thought they were about the same age, but okay. uh, I did a quick. I, I asked I asked Google. I asked the Google, and they told me that Bruce is 71. I didn't know he was that old. Wow, he he looks pretty good. He's he's yeah. seasoned. I think he's yeah, I think he's pretty he's pretty uh, vibrant for seventy one. Well, what great experience though too. I mean, you know, living that long and again doing what he's done. He's traveled everywhere, met all kinds of people, and so has Barack Obama. That'll be really interesting, I think, to hear those perspectives. Um, you know, and great. Like I said, like you said, uh, the celebrity factor definitely will draw. Mm-hmm. You know, but they they honestly have great experiences that are going to lead to some really good content that people but, will like. But podcasting allows this interesting bedfellows. You never mm-hmm. would have expected to hear a an, like an eight part series with those two, yeah, having a conversation. Uh, you know, I, I'd I'd like to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. So, well, and so we shall to. be able to be. Yes, indeed. <laughs> So what brings, what, what, how are you going to wrap things up? Are you going to, are you going to win the day with your last one? I don't know. It all depends on how everyone feels about Twitter and things like Patreon, because Twitter has delved and come into a a new era where they are going to allow people, allow tweeters or Twitter users to charge people to see some of their tweets. So much like, you know, Patreon has, you know, gayed, uh, let's try that again. Much as Patreon has gated paid content that you can put out. (laughs) I'm sure they do too. That's right. But it's just like you can say, hey, I could put some generic uh, or just stuff out there that's for free. But I want to keep stuff behind the curtain here that you got to pay a little bit of a premium or a lot, whatever the, the, you know, your subscribers want, but they can pay to get to that, um, that other kind of special elitist, you know, or, you know, just, uh, Does he hear their opinion. Yes, exactly. Now, I, could, and, I could see this working for things like stock tips or yeah. that sort of thing. But I mean, I'm trying to think what short form content is worth paying to hear. No, though there are, I don't know if you, if you, any of you hang out on Twitter a lot, the th- their threads are a huge thing now. I mean, people mm-hmm. are doing some con- actually, honestly, long form content through, through threads where, I mean, I think of Seth Abramson, love him or hate him. I mean, he tends to put out some very, some tweet threads that are on there that give his own opinion about stuff and people want to hear it. Um, but I could see someone like that saying, you know, I'm going to put, you know, $4.99 a month and you can go ahead and see my tweet threads versus the stuff I'm giving out to the, to everybody else. So, you know what, you know where it's going to go? Tell me. Adult content. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Ew, yeah, because because okay. I know that I know that one of the ones I know that one of the sites I think it's called OnlyFans something like that, mm-hmm. which has which has really exploded uh, as far as the adult content goes. Um, so I know all of the networks are looking at those sorts of uh, those sorts of social platforms and jealously saying, you know, geez, you guys make a ton of money and we yeah. we struggle, and you you know basically show naked people and you can make a whole bunch of money and so we've got to figure out a way to get a piece of that pie and i suspect that's where twitter's coming from well and plus in addition to doing and they're going to call them super follows um for people who are going to pay to see that content that's behind the wall but they're also going to start making groups or communities in twitter much like facebook groups and things like that which i think will be really interesting because I mean, technically you don't have any groups on there. You can do Twitter chats based on hashtags and things like that, but that's all public. People can see it. You know, they don't have to, you know, 
enter um, into a room to see that kind of stuff. But it sounds like they're going to let communities get built uh, within Twitter. So I'm, and it was funny because uh, of course that news story came out and I think it was the verge.com that, that broke it. And uh, the instant uh, trending t- uh, Twitter topic was hashtag RIP Twitter. And I just laughed. I'm like, it's, I oh. really doubt it's going to end it, but well, and, 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 it. and it's, it's an adjunct Twitter still Twitter. Yeah, you know, that, that's not going away. They're looking to find they're looking to find some different revenue sources. And thank goodness they're looking at something other than just saying, oh, we're going to do a clubhouse, which they are going to do. <laughs> but let's, uh, thank goodness Twitter they're spaces. looking for some different some different angles. And I think, you know, now that I have a ch- have had a chance to think about this story for a couple of days, I do really think that we're going to see it in the uh, in the adult content area. I think it's a play there. And I don't think anybody's going to really talk about that too much. But Twitter, I think that's why. And so uh, consequently, yeah. I think it will be successful. Yes. Uh, yes. And, you know, go more power to you. Go, go, go do what you're going to do. Um, I can tell you, I will not be doing adult content. Uh, no. If I were to do super falls, but I, if I get it rolled out to me, I'm going to definitely test it out and report back. I could be not, tempted. not adult content. I could be tempted, you know, <laughs> let, let, let me, know. drop us you're a like, note well, if you want. How Steve. much money are we talking about here? I mean, let's just, not put ourselves in a box. Once you, once you reach my age, you just got somebody really willing to pay $5. Okay. <laughs> you're like, well, what else am I going to do? Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Gray Matters is a production of Dottotech. There's a lot more to us than just this podcast. Nearly every week, we host a free online training called Webinar Wednesday, but we could not create any of this content without the generous support of our patrons. Dottotech is a community-funded channel, and I want to express my gratitude to those of you who support us each and every month, keeping us on the air. If you value the content we deliver here, please consider supporting us. Visit patreon.com slash dottotech, and we have perks. Most of our members contribute $10 a month, and for that, they receive access to over 150 trainings we've delivered on Webinar Wednesday, as well as discounts on our other premium courses, plus one great perk for this community. Access to Don't Retire, Rewire, a great primer for those of you considering launching an online business of your own. Once again, to all our patrons, we would not be here without you. My thanks to you. And those of you considering joining us, I think it's a great idea. But I have to admit, I am a bit biased. I was taking a care of a few tasks today, and it really got me thinking. And the, ta- well, the task that I was doing that got me on this on this tangent is I was transferring some funds. I was paying uh, my subcontractors and some services that helped me out. And But those services, the people that I was paying, are in Europe and in South Asia and in the United States, uh, not in Canada, where I live. And I was thinking how easy it is for me to make payments to these people. I use a, a tool called TransferWise, which we have a video on the YouTube channel if you're interested in how we do it. But it's it's dead simple now. It's 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 very easy for me to to, p- to make the payments to the different uh, to my different obligations, regardless of where they are in this world. And I got to thinking, 
just even 10 or 15 years ago, this was a huge thing to do. All of the, all of types of financial transactions were so much work back then. But do you remember what it was like if you had to send money to somebody in a different country, you had to use a service like Western union and wire the funds and you had to pay an exorbitant amount to have that done. And it was a time consuming process that required a lot of effort to send money anywhere. It was a, it was such a barrier that we didn't do it. I mean, very seldom did we wire money or send money to people. I mean, we we said we had checks for our local businesses that we dealt with, and if people were in our physical area, we could pay them quite easily. But doing doing any sort of financial transaction with anybody outside of your outside of your geography, very very difficult. And that that extended to things like even collecting credit card payments. We think nothing now of collecting credit card payments on Stripe or on PayPal. But it wasn't that long ago that you had to get a merchant account and you had to jump through multiple hoops and have dedicated systems in place to be able to do things like create, collect a credit card payment. And it certainly wasn't accessible to small time businesses like I am. You had to be a fairly significant business in order to be able to do that. And then I thought, this is fun. And I continued on down the rabbit hole. And I started to think about things like what I'm doing right now, publishing this podcast, how much work did that used to be when I did a radio show? How hard did I have to work and how much money was involved in the investment in a radio station and transmitters and broadcast licenses to be able to do something which now I can do with a USB microphone, a computer and an internet connection. And don't even get me started about video, what, what we used to have to do to produce our television show. For half an hour of television, back when I was doing it, and we were very efficient in our production, but it cost us in real cash dollars, about $30,000 to do 30 minutes of video, to do 30 minutes of television, actually 24 minutes because there was six minutes of commercials. But the team that was involved from the, from the cameraman to the director, to the teleprompter operators, to the tape operators, to the audio technicians, to the editors, to the, uh, to the, uh, the set construction people, to the lighting people who put it together, makeup, costumes, uh, all of the different, uh, production assistants that we had, uh, going through to editing and audio editing and sweetening and then duplication and then shipping the, the, the tapes uh, the, of each show to the different uh, television stations that were going to be airing it. Oh my gosh. And then there was accounting and then there was the physical plant that we had to be in. We had to be in a studio and we had all of that infrastructure all to produce the same basic content is again, I can produce sitting at my computer with a web gut, with a webcam, some lights, a computer and a decent microphone. Now, the quality of production isn't quite as good, but the operative term there isn't quite as good. The information being shared that I would share today on YouTube versus what I shared when I was on television is identical. It's the same quality of content. In fact, in some ways it's better now because I'm not as beholden to sponsors and I can be far more, just, just kind of far more truthful about all of the, okay, that sounded wrong but I can be far more transparent about what I like and what I don't like because I'm not worried about what some advertiser or sponsor thinks of what I happen to say. Oh my gosh, we have come so far the old way. I don't know how we survived doing things the old way. And is it ever more evident than when we start thinking about online business? And here I'm afraid that there might be a bit of a blind spot 
that baby boomers and Gen X have. Because while I've been lucky and I've been exposed to all of the new technologies and the internet and new ways of doing things. So I've been kind of velocitized to the rapid change in how things are so different today than they were as I was coming up. I think a lot of my peers and a lot of you have perhaps been trapped in, in cubicles and in businesses that have not been as quick to accept and embrace change. So there might be, a, there, there still might be, we still might be holding on to some of this kind of sacred cows of the way business used to be done, which doesn't necessarily carry through to today. I remember when I started my first business, when I decided I was going to go out on my own and I was going to start my own consulting business, uh, my father-in-law at the time, who was an accountant, he recommended I take a business course, which I did. I took kind of a night school business course so that I could plan in advance so that I didn't just jump in with both feet, not knowing what I was getting into. And a big part of that course was developing a business plan. You used to be able to get books on it at the, at the store. You still probably can. But the business plan was pretty much the project that we worked on through the entire learning about building our own business, uh, small business course. The detail that I went into and the preparation that I put in to plan out my business was epic. You know, you were, you were planning everything from you. You were doing spreadsheets, figuring out your revenue and you were figuring out what your location costs were and insurance costs. And I mean, there was just, there was just a non ending. It seemed like list of things that you had to do to prepare to open a business before you ever opened your doors and a massive investment of time and quite often a big investment of money, depending on what your business was going to be like before you had the opportunity to make your first sale or bring on your first customer. It was daunting. There's no wonder that so many small businesses failed uh, in the first day. And still, we still have a high mortality rate for businesses, for small businesses, but it's nowhere near as high. And I don't think the damage is as much to the individual today because our barriers for entry are so much lower because of the new way of doing things. I mean, when you think about all of those processes that we used to have to put in place, every T had to be crossed, every I had to be dotted before we opened the doors to a business. And that's just not the way things are done anymore. But there was a reason we had to do that because of the lead time for the different assets that we needed to build or run a business. I mean, think about even something as simple as you needed business cards, you needed probably invoices. You needed, uh, you needed to have some sort of a, of a brochure or you needed some flyers and leaflets. You needed any branding. If you were going to open a storefront, you needed to have all of the signage built and you needed all of the, all of the branding work done for, for your business. Uh, you probably had to hire employees before you were ever ready to make money. Uh, you had to have the business cards built and the letterhead and the logo designed. All of that had to happen. And do you remember the process? for doing something like even putting together a brochure where you would have to have a graphic designer lay it out and you'd get proofs and you would send it back to the printer. And there was a, it was a, a weeks long process to produce something as simple as a brochure or a flyer that you were going to use to advertise your business. And then you had to, you had to, depending on what the cycle was when you were opening, especially a local business, when's the yellow pages coming out? That was a big deal. Your yellow pages ad 
was probably the most important local business asset that small businesses had. So if you happen to open your business like two months after the local yellow pages dropped and then new yellow pages weren't dropping for 10 months, that was, that was a factor in whether or not you were going to be successful. The yellow pages were that important. And let's not even begin to think about what we had to do to do a direct mail campaign or a bulk mail campaign where all of those challenges I was talking about as far as printing were all exacerbated by adding to it the postal codes and the labels and purchasing the mail list so that you could send mail to people that weren't interested in receiving your mail so you could drum up some business. Oh, Things got a little bit easier, did they? When we started to send out faxes to people <laughs> to to advertise. But my goodness, I don't know how we ever survived. I don't know how, well, we didn't. And to be perfectly honest, a lot of us didn't survive in business going through all of those hoops. It was such an arduous task. Now, here is my worry. And you can tell me if you think that, if you agree or not. But I think a lot of our peers have that experience kind of baked in to their DNA. They believe that if they're going to start a side hustle, if they're going to start a business today, that they are going to have to do something similar to what we had to do back in the eighties and nineties, if we were starting a business and they see the same potential for success and it scares them off and intimidates them because there's so much work that has to be done. That was a style of business that I call build and deploy. You had to build all the pieces of your business before you were ready to launch. And then you had to deploy it to the, to the marketplace and hope that it was going to succeed. Hope that you could catch up to your expenses with your revenue before, before the, before the bell tolls as it were today business is done very, very differently. Our, the timeframes that we work within and the challenges that we face while still profound, I'm not going to, I don't want to lighten up the, I don't want to make too light of the challenges we have if we're starting a side hustle or a full-time gig, but they aren't nearly as arduous and they are far easier for us to, to kind of overcome the obstacles in business today. Instead of build and deploy where you build everything and then deploy it, Business today is more of a seed and grow where you can start with a seed. You can start with something very small and simple, uh, such as a blog or a podcast or, or a, a, a website, and you can put it out there and you can start to grow off of that and slowly add different layers and ultimately revenue layers. But you don't have to know exactly what your business is going to look like. You don't have to know exactly what the business model is right when you plant the seed. You don't know what the plant is going to look like. Ultimately, you know, it's going to be a chrysanthemum, but you don't know how tall it's going to be. You, you might not know what color the leaves are going to be. You don't know how many leaves it's going to have, or maybe how many stems it's going to have. There's a lot of things you don't know about a plant when you plant the seed. It grows and then you adapt as you see exactly how it grows. Business today is very much like that. Once we've planted a seed, once we've started our business, we then can engage in a conversation with our community, with our audience, with our customers, and their input informs us to make changes as our business grows. So rather than having a rigid plan that we're going to follow, and if we planned it out correctly, we'll be successful, we're far more agile in building a business today because we can respond to the changing market conditions and the feedback we get from our customers, which 
goes a long way to guaranteeing success. It takes a lot of the responsibility of understanding all of the aspects of the business uh, off our shoulders as we're starting things out and kind of offloads it onto the process that we are working on. Now, for a lot of baby boomers and Gen Xers, this means taking a leap of faith. If you don't know exactly what your revenue model is going to look like as you're starting your side hustle, or you don't know what your revenue model is going to look like as you start an online business, it can be intimidating. And we can feel like we're being irresponsible if we take the leap, if we start the process without knowing what the results are going to be at the end. That is our old school way stopping us and blocking us from taking advantage of the new opportunities that are here. We have such a tremendous advantage as boomers and Gen Xers. We've got all of this experience on how to make things work. We have to trust ourselves that if we believe in our side hustle, if we believe in our business, we can plant the seed and then we have the ability to grow that seed by being informed by the marketplace and by our customers into something successful. We do have the, we, we've got a skill set that none of the other generations can boast. That experience is so valuable in this process. But I believe that we're held back, we're handicapped to a certain extent by our experience, by our understanding of what it takes to build a business based on what it took when we started, when we started in business, what we learned back then. So while our experience gives us the flexibility and all of the, all of the skills that we need to turn our side hustle or our business into a success by leaning on that experience, it actually is a detriment right at the very beginning. If you stop and think about it, because it's experience that tells us we have to be far more prepared than we actually need to be in order to succeed in this modern and online world. Isn't that kind of ironic? If I might take this moment and just proselytize a small amount to those of you listening to this podcast who are boomers and Gen X, and just encourage you to kind of try and overcome some of those limiting beliefs that we have uh, on what it takes to build an online business or a side hustle based on our personal experience of when we were entering the workplace and what it took back then. And recognize that while we have changed physically and emotionally and maturity-wise, so has the marketplace and so has the world around us. And a lot of the rules that were in place, the old way of doing things doesn't necessarily hold water in this new day and age. Did you know that we host a free live training almost every week? This is a fact. Most weeks we host a free tutorial webinar covering productivity, content creation, or online marketing. It is called Webinar Wednesday, and you can find out this week's webinar by visiting dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday. It is the best way for you to up your skills to the next level for free. Join us. Links are in the description or just visit dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday. I, I don't know how we ever survived. Even even just even just thinking back to just you know even using the yellow pages that I was talking about, how did we ever find anything? 
I, it was all about alphabetizing, man. I mean, we, you know, that that's how we knew how to file so good, you know, because you put things in alphabetical order and you're like, no, that come A, A B comes before A, X and things like that. So, you, yeah. You know, you know, I can remember back when I started in the industry, in the computer industry, going to the big trade shows, which have now been decimated by, mm -hmm. uh, by the online space. But you'd go to Comdex down in, in Las Vegas and it was massive. It was, a, it was just, it took over Las Vegas. But you used to walk around with um, bags uh, of brochures and leaflets and mm -hmm. and in in little flyers, and we would I would always bring an extra suitcase because we would be on I was doing product sales at the time, so we'd go to Comdex, we'd gather all of this information from these different manufacturers, and we would either pack it in a box and ship it home, or put it in another suitcase and carry it home, and it would be it would weigh six yes. tons because it was full of brochures. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, and remember, and even from a practical standpoint, you know, you're trying to navigate a space like that, whether it's in an expo hall or a whole part of a city, the map, you always had to have oh, yeah. the map. Yeah. And then you you plan your route. You'd plan your route as you went on. Oh man. Oh man. I, it was, it was, they were hard times. We, we suffered, you know, kids today don't know how much we suffered. <laughs> they have it so good. Don't they get it? I know. I know. I, I do love telling my 12-year-old and 14-year-old, I'm like, y'all get to just pull stuff up on your computer and watch it whenever you want. No, we were waiting. You know, we we had to sit through commercials and, you know, the ads, you're like, uh, mm -hmm. it's just, they don't know. They yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, and it all contributes to, of course, an ADHD society. But here's another thing that it contributes to is now when I think I should be able to do something, if I can't do it, I am so pissed. Yes. Yeah. The easy accessibility, right? You're like, oh, what do you mean? I have to shift. wait for that. I, you know, yes. I, I want it now. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Time, times they have changed. So that is, uh, let's call it a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much. Now let's let everybody know that inside of the show notes will be all of the links for the uh, things that we talked about today. And if you have any comments or suggestions, we really look forward to hearing back from you. There's an email link there. Send us an email, drop us an email, tell us what you think. And if you have any suggestions for upcoming topics here on Gray Matters, we are more than happy to listen to your recommendations. Rachel, thank you for your time today. Thank you very much. And if I may ask mm -hmm. people who are listening, review the podcast, right? Because we want to hear how we're doing too. And that can tell us how we're doing and how you think we're doing, even if you email us or not. On your, on your podcasting brilliant. platform of choice, there's always a place there to do a review. So we would appreciate yes. it if you did that as well. Thank you. Indeed. Until next week, I'm Steve Dotto for Rachel Moore. Have fun storming a castle. think it'll work, it would take a miracle.